No! Um, I don't hear you. I'm here! Although I hear your, I see your waves. I'm here! Your wavy files. I'm here! Talking, but I don't... I'm here! You and I don't know why. Let me put my headphones in, hold on. There you go. That might do it. Hello? Yeah! Hey! Hey! Hold on, let me make sure that input is on the correct setting. What? Um, how come I don't have settings? Oh, I know why I can't set my settings. Is because it's recording already. Yeah, bitch. Man, you were like, we're, we're quick fingers here. Like, we're on it. Quick draw. Oh, I got the quickest fingers. That's <laughs> that's gross. I'm sorry. Welcome to the Good Games Podcast. My name is James. And I'm Leo. And I'm wondering, how have you been doing, Mr. James? I'm I'm doing pretty okay. I've I just got back from our bar and I'm a couple drinks in, so I'm feeling pretty good right now. Yeah. What have you yeah. been up to besides besides trivia tonight? How how has your weekend gone? Anything interesting? Um No. <laughs> What'd you do, man? I, I, I'm i a boring motherfucker. <laughs> I just, I sat on my computer and I wrote code all weekend. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a real boring nerd, and that's what I did on my weekend. How about your weekend? Um, this weekend, I had my mother-in-law in town. Oh, uh, cool! Which is a classic sort of, you know, ugh, mother-in-law. Um, I hope I hope she's not listening. Yeah. Uh, well, it was actually quite fun. Um, you know, Good. she was she was relatively even keel, and we um, got to do some stuff around town and go clay shooting too. Which whoa, uh, you took uh, you took mom clay shooting, huh? Yeah, she was like really excited. Yeah, she's not. Did much she of like a, it? She loved it, man. She's not much of a gun enthusiast as I am, but she yeah. clay shooting is something like anybody can do. You know, like it's right. fun. Thing. you should rent a shotgun we only spent like 50 bucks for three people and we got to go out and shoot some clays of course i was the only one who could actually hit anything but right. you know it was just fun it's just fun just shooting a shotgun in the air you know i've got to yeah. tell you i'm not a gun guy i don't like guns you take you take me everyone all my friends oh you want to go to the shooting range no i don't it's boring yeah. uh I, I i'm just not a gun guy i've gone clay shooting i think once or twice yeah it it is actually kind of fun. I yeah. kind of like it. Yeah. yeah. It's just yeah. like a lot easier than like the actual yeah. shooting range, you know? Right. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Coming from not a gun guy, I would still endorse clay shooting. Yeah. So uh, another thing I did this weekend uh, was play Spider-Man. Did you oh, yeah. Did you see that? Did you see that uh, transition there? That was slick that was as fuck. Perfect. <laughs> that was so slick. It was like Spider-Man's webbing. Yes. <laughs> Very slick. Um, our main topic today is Spider-Man 2018, Spider-Man PS4, whatever the fuck we're going to call it. Yeah. Um, what is the official name? Is it just Spider-Man? Blank? Like, nothing? uh, I mean, yeah, that's Spider-Man, but then how, what, hmm. it, how, how do you differentiate right, this so Spider-Man from, so yeah, yeah, I don't know, Spider-Man 2018, I guess is what sure. I'll call it. Sure. That'll be the title of this podcast episode. Right. Um, yeah, I uh, have not gotten very far in this game at all. Okay. I've played um, the first few opening missions. Um, most of my relationship with this game 
is watching my wife Jess play it. Uh, I've watched; she's much farther than I am, and I've spent a lot of time watching her play. I've only, like I just said, played the beginning of it. Um, it seems good. <laughs> what, what, you, what, what, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I'm before this game even came out. I think actually, like possibly last year, I was I was toting that this game would be game of the year. Yeah, uh, and I and I got into some you know heated nerdy arguments with people on Facebook about that. Sure, uh, but I stand by that, having played yeah. the game, beaten the game, and I still think it's it's game of the year worthy material. Okay, all right. Uh, well, we'll, we'll get into that discussion at the end of the year. Um, uh, I okay. Here, here's the thing. I I've played the beginning. Um, uh, I liked what I played. I've uh, I liked the the combat was challenging and and very fluid. Um, the uh, uh, like story beats seem pretty well written, uh, pretty well executed. The uh, whatever the the cinematography and the cutscenes is good. I think they. I mean, uh, I'm not a huge Spider-Man fan, but I think they've successfully captured the character uh, mm-hmm. pretty well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll, I'll I'll say moving around in the city, uh, slinging yeah. webs. Uh, yeah. That's pretty fun. Yeah. Here's here's here's, I, I I have general positive opinions of this game, but um, I I know you're very high on this game. Yeah. Let me go ahead and play super. Uh, let, let me go ahead and play the devil's advocate here because even yeah. though I like this game, I I couldn't help but shake the feeling that i was just playing another arkham game <laughs> that's i mean that's that that i think is my bit, biggest criticism of this is um it felt a lot like the arkham games before it um i mean from from like all of the stealth things and the way the combat works and yeah. um that's I, about just, it right I mean, yeah, and there's nothing wrong with being like the Arkham games. I, I think I, I really like those games, but uh, I think a criticism I would level against Spider-Man 2018 is, is it actually doing anything new or is it just copying the Arkham formula? Which, again, is not necessarily a bad thing, um, but... Uh, okay, a lot of reviews I've read of this game are, oh my god, this is so great, it makes you feel just like Spider-Man. Sure. Which, okay, moving around in the giant New York City slinging webs, and yeah, I could see how that makes you feel like Spider-Man, but yeah. really, does the rest of the game make you feel like Spider-Man? Because the rest of the game made me feel like Batman. Um, Here's the thing. I think as different as the characters are, uh-huh. Sp- Spider-Man kind of to me is the Batman of Marvel. Okay. Like they're very different characters, but I feel like the those situations where you're uh moving around along the top of the room to like grab guys from the corner and spiting them up and put them like hanging off a off yep. of a light post or whatever. Yep. Is a yep. Batman thing and a Spider-Man thing. <laughs> I was going to say that it was absolutely a Batman thing. It's, so, which to- I, it's totally a Batman thing, but it's also a Spider-Man thing. Like He does okay, that too. That's, that's yeah. fair because that was something I like so much about the Arkham games. Is right. I was like, oh my God, this makes me feel just like Batman. Because these are all the things that he does in, you know, Batman, yeah. the animated series, in the comic books, in the cartoons. Yeah. You know, he's sneaking around in the shadows and, you know, before the bad guys even see him, he, he's got him, you know, uh, tied up and 
hanging from a light post, whatever. Right, but that's uh, also what see- Spider-Man does. Like he gives, he okay. grabs okay. grabs thugs, spins around in web, and hangs them from a light post, and like, or you know, splats them up against the wall, and then like like silently, like grabs all the guys around the corner, like like from the excerpt, mm-hmm. like outsides right. of the of the thing, and then at the end, he kind of jumps into like the last guy who's like the boss. And then, like, gotcha. gets all mouthy with him and fights him. You know, that's kind of okay. That's fair because that's that's really more the persona of Spider-Man I'm familiar with. Okay, I my only interface with Spider-Man is basically just the Marvel movies. Uh, well, I mean, you know, all all of the not necessarily the Marvel Cinematic Universe Spider-Man, but all mm-hmm. of the uh, movies of Spider-Man that have come out since the early 2000s. That's yeah. my interface with Spider-Man, and and that version of Spider-Man is very much just a you know sarcastic like oh yeah uh, just a you know shit talking like oh i'm spider-man i'm gonna you know say some sarcastic things and beat up the bad guys right which to to have that character like sneaking around in the shadows i was like uh is this what this character is and maybe that is what this character (laughs) is but you know it made me think of the arkham games and also like it is very though. it really is the whole like with the part at the very beginning of the game where he activates his whatever spider eyes and he can like see through the walls and he's like looking at the like electric connections to figure out where the <laughs> yeah i was like mm, really <laughs> well really that's kind that of like character the, does i mean that's kind of like going into spider-man like um avengers ish spider-man okay. where like right. you where know he's like, got the tony stark suit or whatever. exactly yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah so at that point you know he's got some more high-tech stuff in there but also really is he sneaking around in the air vents and stuff is that a spider-man thing i don't know that the air vents needs to be a spider-man thing. Uh, okay, okay. <laughs> you got me there you really could just kind of wall climb through the entire like ceiling climb you know right actually and again and hold on hold on yeah, i go, just go had yeah, yeah, i literally ahead. just had an epiphany okay because like 50 hours or more in that game I don't think a one damn time that I crawl on the ceiling of one of those buildings where True. you're like, yeah. where you're like killing like bad guys and stuff. Yep. And yep. you totally should be able to. I mean, I, I, that's, that's a Spider-Man thing. I feel like, I feel like I have shit. to go, I have to go try that. Cause there is a way to do it. You have to like right. L trigger oh, aim to, to the ceiling. Oh, okay. Okay, right okay. Trigger. I have to try that to see if right. that actually is a thing or not. Yep. Um, and and again, I'm not, I'm not. Well, they don't push it, though. They don't push it, like, as a mechanic. Like, why are you having to crawl through air vents if you could probably just, like, use the ceiling and never be seen? You can go through a doorway by going crawling across the ceiling, probably. Right. No one will ever notice you. And again, I'm not saying the game is bad because it's like Arkham. I I mean, that's a small thing, yeah. yeah. Right. The Arkham games are very good. I'm just saying I, I question how much innovation this game is bringing, and I question all of the people that are saying... Oh my god, this game made me feel just like Spider-Man. Well, I'll tell you, I'll like, say that, aside from like the web slinging in the city, which okay, I totally the, get. Like the web slinging is a very big part, though. I mean, that's yep. an yeah. enormous part yeah. of feeling like Spider-Man. But I'll say this: Did Arkham not make you feel like Batman? Oh, absolutely, definitely. So, so if Arkham makes you feel like Batman, then Spider-Man should make you feel like Spider-Man. No, 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 no. That's my entire argument: is the formula hasn't changed. No, no, the, no. The, I know. Formula, the formula that made me feel like Batman is the exact same formula that's in Spider-Man. Right, but so like, it's like whoever the character is, as long as they stick to the formula, you'll feel like that character. No, 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 no. Because like sneaking around in the shadows and Uh fucking being stealthy and getting out your technology to hack the computer, that's a Batman thing. Okay. And all the, the... 
that's totally a Batman thing. Okay, well, let me put it this way. Say a new game comes out. Okay. Uh, and it's for the character um, Ninja Man. Okay. Pretend sure. Ninja Man is a character. Sure. Okay. And he's like dressed like a ninja. And like when you're yep. out around town, you're like recognized as like Ninja Man. And people say, oh, it's Ninja Man. <laughs> and uh, uh-huh. and, and yep. like there's like senseis and dojos and stuff. But then whenever you go to like a new map to beat up some bad guys, you sneak around and have to capture each bad guy one at a time. Okay. But as you Ninja just Man used- always does. You just use the word ninja man. Like ninjas right. are inherently sneaky and stealthy or whatever. What if it's Hulk? What if it's the Hulk? And the Hulk <laughs> is like hiding in the shadows like, <laughs> and then he's like, you know, straight like, okay. My, again, my, my only interface with Spider-Man is just those movies. Maybe yeah. there is a whole, you know, section of the comic books where he's a more, you know, stick to the shadows, stealthy, pick yeah. people off one at a time kind of guy. Uh, but I, I'm saying that, formula has not changed much and yeah. so it I, just reminds I, you of I'm, batman I'm, I'm questioning the people that okay. say oh my god this game made me feel just like spider-man and That's maybe, maybe it fair. does in the web slinging maybe it does in the story beats maybe I, the I think, story beats are very spider-man yes yeah, yes yeah. that's what i was gonna say yes yeah. the, the 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 parts that um i i really liked the parts that go into like how awful peter parker's life is like right. oh no and i like the um the whole play on like uh, Doc Ock, which you haven't yeah. really, done yeah. Too well, much, but well, I've again, I've watched a lot of what what Jess has played, and okay. uh, oh yeah, I I I like well. How at far the very is she? Beginning... You tell me how far she is, so I know how much I can spoil or not spoil. Well, I don't want to spoil too much because there might be people listening who hasn't who haven't. Oh, uh... oh do our episodes just not have like an explicit spoiler warning on every thing? Or... Well, whatever. If you have something relevant to say that's the spoiler warning ish, no, but I just want to say I just want to spoil it for everyone. Really, that's, that's well, all. I'm just saying. Okay, well, let me let me do my thing, and then you can spoil your thing. That's um, no, at the very beginning of the game, they set up Peter Parker's relationship with um, Doctor Octavius, and it's yeah. a, a very you know, it's a very friendly and professional, um, professional. But yeah. but there's definitely a bond between Peter and Doc Ock, and you can tell that to a to a pretty good degree, they both care about each other, yeah. which like that's very effective because any, you know. any, even, yeah. even a casual, even a casual spider, fa- Spider-Man fan like me knows yeah. where that shit is going. So exactly. it's like, Oh yeah. no, you're just waiting like, for game. it to fall apart. Yeah. yeah. And then yeah, like Do- yeah, yeah. Dr. Octavius just starts kind of getting kind of mad at his, you know, his, his right. arch nemesis and, and getting yep. kind of like way too, uh, uh, addicted to this idea of you know this project, and you're like, oh no, I see the wheels spinning, you know, like I can see it all happening now. Uh, yeah, it's, mm-hmm. cool. it's a cool, that's a cool like spin on that uh, that whole thing. Uh, what did you think about the recreation of New York City? Um, yeah, really impressive. Like some of my countless hours, I would say, are just swinging around the city, taking mm-hmm. photos of. Uh, Random monuments, like I felt like I visited Manhattan. Yeah, like, yeah. everything is there, and 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 uh, I was even like playing with Taryn at the time. Well, not yep. with Taryn, but she was watching. She was like in the room. And sure, I was yeah. like, "Hey, just curious, because it seems like I can't actually get off Manhattan Island, but like, isn't the Statue of Liberty somewhere in one of these waters?" And you know, she's her family's from New York, so she was, "Yeah, it should be on like the south side over here." And I was like, "Sure." And sure enough, I looked and I could see the Statue of Liberty, like from 
the island. That's awesome. Yeah, uh, one one nice detail uh, that I appreciated is um, where Trump Tower is. So the, it's not a, a, a total one-to-one recreation of New York, but they no. they got, uh, for the most part, it's, it's um, reasonably accurate. But obviously there are some um, buildings that they couldn't, you know, like I think the... Um, like the 9-11 memorial is not present. Like for uh, kind of obvious yeah. reasons, there's some yeah. landmarks that are missing. Uh, I liked the fact that roughly where Trump Tower is in real life is roughly where Fisk's tower is That's in funny. Spider-Man. I don't, I I don't like, think yeah, I realized very that. <laughs> very good. Very good, Spider-Man PS4. I, yeah. I, I, I see what you're doing there. They got a few great little uh, little things like that. I forgot. I, I saw a couple of them online uh, weeks ago, and I forgot what they were. Not, I probably should have held, held on to those. But there's a few little Easter eggs throughout the city, which is nice. I mean, um, the uh, I, I was really interested uh, by the fact that from a te- technically um, impressive thing to me was that every time you're on a glass window on a building, uh-huh. I guess you can like see inside. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, they, they do. They use a certain I don't know algorithm for that. So like, someone was showing a picture where, or a short clip, where they were on one side of the building and could see one suite of offices, and then they like turned the corner, and it was like very obviously a completely different suite of offices on on like that angle. But mm-hmm. it's like that's a small thing, but it was just impressive that they used this kind of. I'm not sure. I'd love to see the postmortem on this game to see like technically speaking, like how they did some of this stuff because um, they obviously did certain things to make it render easier on, you know, on console systems, but yeah. Uh, yeah. The, the load cool. times, load yeah. times are really good. And yeah, there's, yeah. there's very few uh, technical issues that I uh, w- ran into myself firsthand or uh, saw during my wife's playthrough. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I also liked just like the little, like uh, when you do the fast travel, just the dumb, uh, like Spider-Man on the subway, just being dumb and Spider-Man during the loading screens, you know. Yeah. Uh, that was that was very good, good touch. Uh, I I will say another uh, really nice touch uh, I noticed with this game is all of okay. So in the game, Spider-Man takes a lot of um, like fo- phone calls, like voice calls. In also, oh, another thing did you notice what I noticed? I want to know if you noticed what I noticed. Yep. Uh, yeah, that, it's also mm-hmm. sort of a um, an aspect that's borrowed from the Arkham games, where right. um, the the way they deliver a lot of the exposition or um, some of the like flavor narrative is just Batman is always talking, or in this case, Spider Man is always talking to I don't know somebody else on the phone who's either guiding him or telling him what his next mission is or something. Um, a, a really nice touch is. Yeah. All of Spider-Man's voice lines are actually recorded twice. Twice, yes. Um, I noticed this uh, because if he's you know in the middle of a mission or if he's swinging through the city, all of his voice lines will kind of sound like he's doing something yeah. kind of intense. Yeah. A little busy right but, now. <laughs> yeah, whole thing. yeah, yeah. But if he's standing still, it's delivered much more relaxed. Yeah. Uh, very good touch. That was awesome. I noticed that, yeah. mm-hmm. and like yeah. it'll it'll literally change. It mid, not mid sentence, but right yeah, one yeah. line after the other. Like yes, you'll, yes. if you're swinging, he's doing it stressed, and then as soon as you mm-hmm. stop and perch on a yes. ledge, he goes to yep. calm voice mode. You know, yep. Very good touch in yeah. games. Very good. That was awesome. I wonder how many people noticed that. Mm. You know, it's like one of those things you probably like notice like in the back of your mind, but like you don't mm-hmm. always. And I figured you and me would catch that, but at least yep. I wonder how many. No, that's a very good little touch. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, anything yeah. else? Um, I will say the okay. There's one last thing. The only kind of immersion breaking thing um, that I can say that was kind of negative about it was yep. in terms of that sneaking around and, and taking out enemies one by one. Yep. Uh, there was a point towards the third quarter or maybe second half of the game where I realized I didn't have to be as sneaky as I thought I did. Okay. And you could totally just completely web a dude into the floor and he screams really loud and the guy yeah. like t- 10 feet from him doesn't even notice. Oh yeah. 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 They're, they're, so. they're, also their sight lines are real bad. You can swing, yeah. like, you can swing like right in front of them and they're just like, Oh, they're like, that's odd. <laughs> it's an odd bird yeah, over yeah, there. Yeah. So, uh, I went, once I realized that it got a little bit immersion breaking there, but anyway, uh, right, still, right. yeah, great game. Uh, definitely recommend it. Game of the year. Yeah. Good stuff. Our top five tie-in for today uh, to go along with Spider-Man um, is our top five open world video games uh, because uh, Spider-Man had a very nice and impressive big open world recreation of New York City. So um, the way I approached my top five is uh, I started making my list of like top five favorite open world games. Uh, then I realized... I can't name five open world games that I like really truly like and what? would actually endure. Yes. Yeah. There, um, so many. Yeah, there is a lot, but uh, instead um, the oh way God. I chose to approach my top five is um, more of a, um, a uh, instead of my top five favorite, this is more of a top five um historically important uh open world games these are games that either defined either defined the genre or pushed the genre forward or experimented with the genre in some meaningful way that's the way i did my top five are these just more traditionally your top five favorites um yeah more or less just my favorites but equally my favorites are my favorites because they were so important to me and the culture of gaming so right so, I mean, I feel you. Cool. All right. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, you want to go? You want to go first? Yeah, I think I, I think it's I'm due to go first this time, huh? Yeah, go first. All right. Uh, number five. Number five. The Witcher. Well, The Witcher 3, specifically. Whoa! The Witcher um, 3. Yeah. Um, so, mm-hmm. have you played it? I have. Uh, uh, this probably would have made my cut if I did my top five favorite ones. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I don't know how historically important it was to you know gaming as a whole, but uh, sure. yeah, just I think they just kind of took a formula that was well known and uh, and definitely just polished the crap out of it. Uh, put an amazing story uh, behind it. The world is very interesting. I didn't really know much about The Witcher. I had played Witcher two actually years ago uh, mm-hmm. when, when the witcher 3 was coming out um it actually got me to kind of get a little bit more interested in that whole world and it's based on some books by some, some books someone uh, uh some russian dude yeah i can look some, that up. you keep talking i'll look russian that books yeah. uh <laughs> but the world is very interesting in open world sense because um it was the first game that i, I felt as you moved from town to town it felt you felt like a traveler it's kind of odd to explain 
but a lot of times in open world games you kind of end up just uh speed traveling to another area uh mm-hmm. and it almost just becomes like different levels it's not really it's like a, it's a giant open world and you're really only using like four key cities and you're just traveling from city to city and finishing quests witcher was the only one that really made me want to like ride my horse to another town because in between there was all sorts of things i could run into and when you got to the new town you would check out the tavern for some some you know uh events at the tables or you would look at the uh the the bounty list like board you know in the city and and each town had its own set of problems and set of creatures that were that were causing problems in that town um and uh yeah and it was just an interesting world in that sense you were it's like it felt realistic in its fantasy. Uh, it was very odd. Uh, yeah, and the sound and everything and graphics were amazing. And that actually did win Game of the Year. But so, what does that mean? It means it was good, according <laughs> yeah, to someone. What do you? Yeah, well, that's exactly what I mean. It went. I won Game of the Year according to who? According to some people, it was <laughs> worth. It was worth being the Game of the Year. Look, I'm not saying like. I mean, there's so many people who can give the award of Game of the Year, so... That's long- what I mean. When you when you say that, like, realize that that doesn't mean anything. It like, totally means something. It means nothing. It means fucking nothing. My okay. favorite... You know what You know what my Game of the Year this year is? Final Fantasy XIII. Game of the Year. Game of the Year. <laughs> okay. So, let's say this. It won Game of the Year from some respectable critics. Yeah, but who? That doesn't mean anything. I, mean, I can't think of them at the top of my head, but I know there was a couple of respectable ones, not just like Joe Schmo's video games, and he chose it. Like, you know, one of the respectable critics. Okay, one of the respectable critics. I just wanted to point out that that is not a thing that means a thing. Okay, take my word for it. All right, one of the things I really like about The Witcher 3 is uh, I, I that's one of the first games that did side quests really well. Uh yeah. Uh, um, like all of the. Si- Are you clipping your fucking nails right now? I just had to make a note of something real quick. Okay. Uh, I got clicky keys, man. <laughs> it sounds like you're clipping your nails. Usually I um, mute. Usually I mute, but I had to real quick. Just four letters. Jesus. Um. So it's one of the games that did the side quests really well. All the side quests are uh, really varied and interesting. You're clipping your nails real loud. Uh. And so it it makes wandering that world and getting lost in that world very entertaining because you, you know, you're, you're constantly coming across some, somebody new that is telling you some new story or something interesting and having you go do something new and interesting that you haven't done before. It's not like, um, for instance, what a lot of people uh, um, consider to be like more MMO style quests. Like it's not, you know, go kill eight rats or something like that. That's not in The Witcher 3. Or if it is, it's, you know, it's they're very well written, very well scripted, and, and you never get a sense of repetition like you do in a lot of other open world games. Um, the The Witcher book series was written by Andrzej Sapkowski, uh, who I I I am. This is pure hearsay. I've never met this person. I'm just repeating rumors that I've heard. I've heard he's kind of a prick. Uh, I, I I've heard um, he really despises how popular the video games are because huh. he's he he considers his novel to be the superior work. But obviously, um, at, at least outside of Poland, which uh, is where the novel is 
is where CD Project Red is, who made The Witcher, and that's where the novel is very popular and famous. But outside of Poland, everyone just associates The Witcher with the game series, yeah. and he's kind of, from what I understand, kind of like very angry about that. He wishes people would, you know, associate The Witcher, which is actually his creation, you know, associate that series and those characters with him as opposed to CD Projekt Red. But anyway, that's just a rumor I've heard. I did just look up a picture of Andre Sapkowski. Yep. On uh, Wikipedia and he does look, yep. he does look like a prick in the photo. Right, yeah. Just, yeah, yeah, definitely. Looks like a total prick. <laughs> prick confirmed. <laughs> Andre Sapkowski prick confirmed. Confirmed. Confirmed prick. My number 5 Jesus Christ. My number five open world game uh-huh. uh, is going to take us back to 1986 with the release of The Legend of Zelda for the Nintendo Entertainment System. Oh. Um, so um, I think a lot of uh, what what people think of when they think of open world games are worlds that are non-linear, that encourage exploration. And this is one of the first really big popular hits that had a um a level structure that way because think about it right um at at the time um a lot of nes games were either uh, very linear you know go left to right this is a platformer this is a beat-em-up you know just very linear levels or or they were either that or they were just like you know arcade style yeah pong or like arcade style games where it's like you know just just do a thing and get as many points as you can stuff like you know the original Donkey Kong or Donkey Kong Jr you know or whatever um this actually had a persistent world that encouraged your exploration you could only progress in the game if you discovered you know certain objects and there were these very cryptic hints that that um uh, led you to find you know uh you can you know if you swing your sword in this bush, you can find the entrance to a dungeon. Or if you bomb this wall, there's a uh, entrance to a secret thing. Um, I would hesitate, and this is why I structured my top five list this way. I would hesitate recommending the original Legend of Zelda, um, even though it is very um, historically important for game design and how we think of open world games. Uh, I think a lot of the design of this is kind of outmoded. This game is kind of frustrating for the exact same things I just described earlier. Uh, A lot of the um, progression is sort of obscured to the point of annoyance, right? Uh, because like it's hard to tell like am I supposed to be bombing this wall or this wall? That's it, something I think we the developers learned later on with exactly, this, that yeah. style of game is yeah. like having everything obscured just enough that it's challenging, but also still giving the player right. a good concept of like what they're supposed to be doing next, right? Yep. Um, so yeah, uh, appreciate it from uh, early game design standpoint. This is one of the games you can now get on Nintendo Switch if you subscribe to that online thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I wouldn't say this is something to you know actually actually go out and play and you know you, you're gonna really enjoy it. This is something uh, uh, more to appreciate for the historical context. Mm-hmm. The original Legend of Zelda. My number four is. I'll just pick one. I'll say Elder Scrolls Five Morrowind, I think. Is it five? Nope, no, that's Skyrim. Two Morrowind? Mm-hmm. Elder Scrolls Morrowind <laughs> slash 
the more plus slash the Elder Scrolls series as a whole. I mean, it's really just all of them. All of them past Morrowind are. are open, Mor- Morrowind open. is three. Three. Elder okay. Scrolls three. Morrowind. Three Morrowind slash the rest of them. Um, yep. Uh, games have a lot of history. I did not play one before Morrowind uh, because I was primarily a console gamer until like 2008, seven, 2008. So, yeah. um, so I mostly, you know, learned about Elder Scrolls through the Xbox, original Xbox's release of Morrowind. Uh, yep. And that game blew my mind. It was, uh, it kind of reminded me of EverQuest where, um, you know, like if you, like just ruthless in in its game mechanics um it was a difficult game uh but also felt kind of alive and different cities had their own uh like style of architecturally even uh, and, and and the environments all were very different like when you if you were in a different part of of the very large map at least that's how it felt very large these days yep. i'm not sure how big it is comparatively but uh had a sense of just magnitude just immense um and that, and that's not always how big the map is. Sometimes that's just how alive each different part of the map feel. Uh, and they just did a very good job of that. And the story was just something that like wasn't pushed upon you. Similar to Zelda, you kind of had to uh, knowingly sort of find the path. You know, uh, mm-hmm. it wasn't handed to you on a silver platter. So, uh, yep. very difficult game, a very fun game. If you've not taken a historical look at uh, the original open world Elder Scrolls, I guess. I don't know if, if two and one were open world or not, but I have a feeling that with three, they kind of changed the formula a bit. So check out Morrowind. My <laughs> number four uh, is is a game we talked about last time, Shenmue. Hey, it made the um, list. It made the list. And this is again why I couldn't really do a a list of um, my favorites. Uh, I I did not have a good time with Shenmue. I think, similar to The Legend of Zelda, it is a very historically important game for... um, Very influential game um, for a a lot of games that came after it. Um, You know, I mean, Zelda's influenced... God, just about everything. Shenmue has influenced definitely the Grand Theft Auto games, definitely the Yakuza games. Um, But uh, the thing that, that... that Shenmue um, really experimented with was let's make this open world and let's just how detailed and like how highly um, just detailed can we make this open world? How immersive can we make this feel? Let's, you know, we're going to have this whole day night thing. We're going to have, you know, these, these persistent NPCs that actually have routines that they go through on different days. We have, you know, this uh, weather that's historically accurate to the 1980s in Japan. We've got it's it's just just very obsessed with making a, um, a very detailed and very highly modeled persistent open world, um, and uh, I I think that uh, influenced uh, a lot of games uh, that came after it. I think this also could have been an influence on the Legend of Zelda series um, because huh. shortly after Shenmue was released, um, one of my favorite Zelda games, Majora's Mask, was released, and it has a lot of commonalities with Shenmue. Yeah, that's I a good would. Point. I never thought about I, that. 
I would make an argument that Majora's Mask does a lot of what Shenmue is trying to do better. I would say that it is not as detailed or as 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 you know um, immersion obsessed as Shenmue. It's lacking a severe it, amount of kung fu. Let's be honest. Sure, and it doesn't have the obsession with martial arts, but it does have a very similar day-night cycle. It has all of these NPCs, which you get to know, and they all have these routines that they, you know, these these constant routines that they go on throughout the day. You know, a, a, a certain NPC might, you know, wake up in the morning, go down to the store, get some groceries, come back, and then at night, maybe they go out to the bar or something like that. These are, these are things that these two games... Um, had in common uh and uh if you want to play a fun version of Shenmue <laughs> go play Majora's Mask <laughs> that's just rude what's yes it is what's your number four uh or well, up to three now uh oh first. whatever I can't count yeah it's okay you had a few drinks um I... number three is uh we'll just call it the Assassin's Creed series oh okay good. because um really the the most recent assassin's creed is always the best one so i mean i could say assassin's creed odyssey but you know they just get better with each one they just kind of learn from the formula right um assassin's creed is yeah yeah tell 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 me about this because i've checked out after the second one the second second one was exactly like the first one i I didn't think that was doing anything and that game got such praise and i was like right really really right um here's the thing uh i actually don't really recommend assassin's creed to a lot of people god damn it why is it on your this is okay okay all right hold on my list is my favorite okay but why is it on your list because i personally have an amazing time with every release of assassin's creed Mm, i will say i will say that the story Mm. means absolutely bullshit at this point like the story yep the story makes no sense as far as you know what's happening between in the in the present time because all right because the whole the whole premise assassin's creed one is probably the best assassin's creed for story like it's this whole concept that in the present day they take people and their dna has like the uh you know a certain genetic code that ties to someone from ancient history and they could like put you in this device mm-hmm. that connects you to that person's memories and they're like basically trying to find pieces of some puzzle by having you go through that person's memories through yep. your DNA. Right? That's really cool. Um uh, yeah, this the- the first one had this whole sci-fi angle, which I, I think, as far as I know, I really like that angle. And yeah. as far as I know, the most recent one said, eh, fuck that shit. Like, none of that's a thing anymore. I mean, Is that, it, am I wrong? No, I mean, yeah, you're, you're slightly wrong in that it's still a thing almost like the the same way that people who have, like, rights to a movie will release a new, or, like... <sighs> A book will release a new like teaser like oh we're definitely making this movie like like they they just put something in to say to hold on to the rights of that story like they put in <laughs> they put in so, a few so, seconds a few seconds of hey just so just so you remember there is a present day person plugged into a device that you're controlling but let's just forget so about it's, that it's it's it. totally just lip service at this point yeah it's oh, not, totally totally absolutely okay, absolutely all right. like it's it's um, not even really a thing anymore um in fact in fact if they just released an assassin's creed that was like unplugged <laughs> and it's like just play just play the you're just playing the, the assassin from 2000 years ago like you're no longer playing yep. a present day person playing the person you're just the person that would probably do a lot better for story honestly at this point like it's just kind of laughable 
how they do they just kind of tease like remember there's this is a device you're in it's sci-fi mm. that's not really a thing anymore in my opinion okay so we've just talked about how great the story was in the first assassin's creed yet yes. you said at the very beginning the most recent one is always the best one so right, here's what makes, why what well, okay here we go mechanically speaking uh ah. these these people are very good at learning from their open world designs and okay. really i'll be honest leading the way in what other uh, open world games are going to do next. Um, there's two major... I'm not sure if this is the same production company that puts out Assassin's Creed. I think it's different companies. I mean, it's always published by Ubisoft, right? But yep. uh, there could be different studios that work on it, but uh, on, on each iteration of the game. But definitely, they're one of the two publishers, Ubisoft and one other I'll mention in my top five list, that I think kind of paved the way for open world games. And just in terms of, like, mechanically, like, you know... Uh, Little things like uh, trying to think of what they did. I think Assassin's Creed was one of the first games to do this concept of uh, getting to a certain part of the map to scan that whole section of the map, which unlocks the kind of the clears the fog of war in that area of the map and gives you more of your little tidbits to find in that area that you otherwise would not see because it's like you haven't like explored that area yet. So they call it Eagle vision, you know, and the Eagle Mm. kind of flies around. You find Mm -hmm. some point to synchronize your memory. It's bullshit, whatever. The point is they're just very good at like um, coming up with and and experimenting. Every other Assassin's Creed is terrible. And it's because they're kind of like Microsoft. They kind of, they put out every something every year and one year, it, it's just their experiment, and it's awful. But then they learn from that. And then the, every other year, the next one takes what's good from that previous release and, and, and dumps what's bad. And then they come out with this awesome release. So um, they're just masters of their craft, dude. Uh, I don't know how else to explain it. Like, you have to, even if you don't like the story and don't like whatever theme, they're because they're, their settings are always have some historical accuracy and right, particular right. time. I, 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 I just got called bullshit on this. What you, what? you keep saying they're experimenting and innovating, yeah. but the example you give was the Eagles tower. That was in the very first fucking game. I know but that was innovative. Okay. For the first game, where's the innovation after that? Okay. Well, um, for example, um, here we go. Uh-huh. I think it was Assassin's Creed three where they sure. started incorporating, um, Naval, um things like uh you had you got to build your own ship and now they Mm -hmm. added this whole naval concept to your kind of like map exploration Mm -hmm. and having oh i think it was assassin's creed 2 where you got a crew and you started Mm -hmm. uh building like a clan of assassins and so every time the naval the naval one was definitely the fourth one but yeah okay okay well again the numbers don't really matter the point is sure Every once in a while, they just throw in a little feature, like it's the the, the gang crew, like the, the gang of assassins, and then it's like the naval thing. Um, this one and kind of took a little bit from Origins last year. I guess the major innovation would be, well, for this one, for the most recent one, Odyssey, is like the RPG elements. So like there's actually kind of like equipment crafting and, and getting like rarity of items and stuff incorporated mm-hmm. into the open world. St- and and it, uh, it's just a thing. It's just... This is fun. Just go play all the Assassin's Creeds. <laughs> um, and at the end of the day, there's swords and medieval knights. So I'm going to like it. Ah, that's it. That's why you like that Assassin's Creed. Okay. That makes yeah. sense. 
Although I, I still, hold it. on, I still, Ubisoft, if you're listening for some mm. terrible, I don't know why you're listening. Sure. You're the one person listening to our podcast. But <laughs> please make Assassin's Creed Japan, like with ninjas and shit. Like, what? Uh, why haven't they done that yet? They've done every other medieval and like Greek, and we went all the way back to the beginning of time, but they don't give me samurai. Like, what? A ninja. That's like obvious assassins, right? I'm sure that's a thing that's coming. Please. My number three is uh, Grand Theft Auto 3. All right. Uh, uh, I think this was hugely influential and historically important. Uh, This, I think, kind of sets the baseline for what, like, if I say I'm playing an open world game, uh, people think of, like, Grand Theft Auto, right? Grand Theft Auto 3 specifically. because this was the first, it was a huge, huge open world, uh, you know, non-linear open world in full 3D that also had a large amount of detail and a lot of interesting things you could do in the city. Um, like and beat people I, up. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but I mean, you know, there, there was a lot of, it, it was one of the first games that it was huge, but it, it, it felt real. Right. Um, so a lot of the, um, so I'm going to, I'm going to rail against Bethesda real quick. A lot of the, um, uh, like the, the Elder Scrolls games and even more specifically the Fallout games, those have huge, huge, huge open worlds, but they can feel kind of empty, right? Yeah. You're in the, in the Fallout, you're in this, I mean, I, I know it's a post-apocalyptic desert and it's supposed to be this giant wasteland, but also it, there, it's a, you know, physically big, space but the space feels empty there's not a lot of there are just a few points of interest that are interesting to look at the elder scrolls kind of feels the same way to me whereas in uh contrast uh in in contrast if you look at uh grand theft auto 3 this was a big open world that was a big city and all this and the city just felt distinct you knew where you were in the city um just based on you know what the buildings look like you could recognize different landmarks this was like a, um, I don't know. It was just good. It was big and good. <laughs> <laughs> I totally agree. As a matter of fact, uh, yeah. I mean, and it just, um, I think yeah, this was also ever, most gamers' uh, first experience with a big open world like this, and uh, yeah. it was um, very influential. I think it was very influential, uh, specifically to Ubisoft, Ubisoft, whatever the fuck they're called. <laughs> a lot of what they're, a lot of what they're doing. I don't know. I'm, I'm rambling. You take it. What's your number two? <laughs> number two is by the same uh, video game production company. Uh, Whoa, Rockstar, right? Rockstar, who I will be talking about exclusively from here on out for my list, and oh, they, my. they are the other. Uh, production company that i said is influential for open world games ah. uh probably i would say the most influential uh for all the same mm. reasons you talked about in gta 3 my mm. number two however is red dead redemption Ooh. Uh, which is eh, almost a grand theft auto clone um mm, yeah yeah but you just put it in like a western mm-hmm. setting uh but i think there was enough differences to give it its own um slot in the top five um, it had its own sort of the thing about Grand Theft Auto is something I guess you, you didn't really talk about was you know it's about 
grand theft auto like right. it's yep. it's this kind of villainous uh you know you're always playing a, like a dude who's like in a gang or in the mafia or you know you know like it's a cool thing to play these bad guys uh that you know we see in our daily lives on, on the news and movies and stuff but the red dead redemption uh kind of encouraged you to kind of be the good guy and be the uh the john wayne is john wayne a good guy yeah uh, sometimes okay. i don't know. sure I've never, I've never seen anything with john wayne so i, I don't know well so. he's sometimes he's a good sometimes he's a bad sometimes he's somewhere in between he's you know a cowboy whatever okay all right well i'll say uh be the to encourage you to be the john wayne or the uh, uh who's the guy from tombstone uh anti-john wayne wyatt earp you know encourage yeah. you to be the wyatt earp of the of the wild wild west so you're encouraged to kind of like help the damsel in distress and take out the brigands and you know uh be a gun toting you know awesome dude um hey there pilgrim yeah uh but of course they had all the goodies of open world where um it felt there's wildlife in that one which is cool so you could just be like walking around and then suddenly hunt a deer you know and added a whole like other side game to to hunting and getting pelts and shit uh and i'm very excited for red dead redemption 2 which comes out next week whoa next week yeah. maybe that'll be a future episode of this podcast whoa what's your number my two? number two top five historically important open world games uh the okay on my top two here these are games i would actually uh endorse and recommend and say hey you should you know even today go play these they're a good time they're very entertaining my number two is a game that I think, uh, if you are a human being, it's hard to not know. Even if you're not a gamer, even if you're an old fart. <laughs> My number two is Minecraft. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, so yeah, Minecraft, Minecraft, uh, I think, is a uh, very important experimentation with the open world format. So Minecraft says, okay, what if you have a big... Um, explorable non-linear open world but it's all systematically generated it's all algorithmically generated um and i think the thing i mean minecraft minecraft does so many things that are interesting um and i mean obviously that's why this game has stayed so relevant and been so big for so many years um but I mean, aside from the the focus on building and, and crafting, um, there's a big focus on exploring, um, exploration. You can explore in any direction, basically as far as you want to. Uh, yeah, and that's, that's amazing, really, that was think about. that was one of the, the first things. Like I was playing the first time I remember playing Minecraft and just exploring, and I was like, "Oh, you can just keep going, yeah. just." going and going yeah. uh uh and there's something really novel to that just exploring and seeing new and interesting things exploring caves seeing monsters finding treasures trying to find your way back to where you were where your uh where safety is where your you know your 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 house and all of your uh comfort is yeah. where the light is and um yeah just god there's there that that first few times you play minecraft and you realize that at night, all of the monsters come out, and you have to be prepared for that first night, and um, then figuring out how to, you know, how to how to explore and find your way back to safety in this big, huge, 
algorithmically systematically generated world it was it it was and still is something um just really fun and really just thrilling to experience um you can just boot up a game of minecraft and just go exploring uh and that's that's something very unique to that game um so many so many so many games are just still coming out now that Mm -hmm. are like you know borrowing from that formula of yeah you know sort of like grabbing uh resources and trying to just like build yourself a hut to survive the night i mean uh, a lot of what modern games are pulling from minecraft are is the craft part where it you know yeah. it's a, a a survival game where you you have resources and you're yeah. you're 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 you know trying to indefinitely survive right but the open uh, worldness but, adds to the magnitude of that i think because like you feel so small yeah. and insignificant you know yep and i think there's some games that have done you know the the, the, the building aspect the creative building aspect of minecraft but nothing is really replicating replicated just the um exploring just the uh the thrill of exploring a new area aspect to minecraft that's that's something that's still unique and alluring about that game even to this day yeah when that minecraft music kicks on as you're walking through like a new part of the generated map that's like suddenly like snowy and stuff yeah 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 it's good stuff. Minecraft. Minecraft. If you haven't played Minecraft by now, just kill yourself. <laughs> Don't actually kill yourself. Just Go kidding. play Minecraft and then... Comedic value, people. Don't. Suicide is a real little thing. Don't do that. Um, okay, uh, let's get done with this, man. Number one. Uh, as I said, I will be exclusively Rockstar from here forth. So, Whoa. Uh, number one is Grand yep. Theft Auto. Wow. I'm going to go with number five. Number five? Yeah. That's the most recent one. It's almost like they get better and better. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll say number five slash GTA series as a whole. I mean, yep. obviously number three, I think, was a little bit more historically significant. But yep. number five is just my favorite because it's just the most polished one there is. I don't, mm-hmm. I, I really have been hoping for like a number six soon. I think it's like we're well but you know what they got red dead coming out so i'll take it yeah um that game is still played so much oh yeah There's and they a added community an online community to it and people are just mm. going online and stealing cars and raping mm. babies or whatever they do on there that's and, not a thing uh doing drugs mm, and snorting maybe snorting coke off the asses of horse that's what I, that's not a thing. all about that's no, uh no, and not. it's just amazing the game is full of just ridiculousness the story is just wild uh something that i like about and i'll say this about minecraft too that i that they do in these grand theft auto series as well is they encourage uh freedom yep. and they they put elements in the game like minecraft did this to me the most impressive thing was with um the redstone where they put elements in the game where like it's just like a basic concept but like now you can just take that and create shit with it and you kind of there's this whole other community now of people who just make stuff in minecraft like that wasn't really a part of the game originally you know like it's innovative like you just have freedom you know and grand theft auto does it in a different way where you just have the freedom to murder people but in that same way you know, it's just it, that that feeling of freedom and uh, innovation allows you to 
live in that world a little more. It's, it feels more alive. Uh, mm-hmm. And man, Grand Theft Auto really lets you just do whatever the hell you want. Um, they thought of so many things to allow people to, if you see that, you know, do it. You know, like jump out of a plane and parachute and skydive. You can go skydiving tomorrow if you want on Grand mm-hmm. Theft Auto, you know. Uh, so yeah, for those reasons. Uh, so why GTA Five specifically? Uh, just because there's more. It's more of that stuff. There's more things to gotcha. do. It's, there's more polish. Um, you know what? One of the can I be completely honest with you? And this is hmm? this is crazy. But one of the main reasons I like GTA Five over the other GTAs, hmm. there, there's fat people. <laughs> okay. There's no fat people prior to GTA Five. Right. Every pe- I don't. I don't remember well enough to say. I'm yes telling or you, every pedestrian, every pedestrian prior to GTA Five is just uh, like a you know a basic like model, like either male or female, and GTA yeah. Five added like actual fat people, and it's hilarious. <laughs> but G- it's like that- GTA Five. There's fat people. <laughs> well, but there's. I mean, it's just attention to detail, man. It's. I mean, that's uh-huh. in, a, in a nutshell. That's how how what I mean. Like just more and more attention to detail because I don't know if they just have better generations of, you know, gaming systems to do it on, but um, the attention to detail and just the different things there are to do. Um, they just, the map is a little bigger. The story is a little better. You know, it's just, it's, if there was a GTA six, I'd probably say GTA six, mm. you know, it's just one of those things. Gotcha. My number one game is also an episode of this podcast that we have done before. It is the Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Nice. I thought that was poetic to both begin and end with Zelda. Uh, Because I think uh, whether or not people uh, actively think about it or realize it, the Legend of Zelda has been very influential for open world games. And um, after, um, you know... After kind of, if not creating, then popularizing the genre. So enter 2017's Breath of the Wild. And this Ooh, was, uh, this was we shot the Zelda formula. We crumpled it up and then blasted it into space yeah. uh, and reassembled the pieces of what was left and made Breath of the Wild. It is a um, sort of Nintendo's take on Western game design and Western open world philosophies. Uh, this takes a lot of what is present in um okay so we we talked about assassin's creed earlier and yeah. like ubisoft open world games and one of the things they do is that that eagle's tower thing where you climb up on the tower and then it um it populates your map um but one of the things i don't like about that is you climb up on the tower it populates your map with just fucking bullshit there's it, there's just your map is just fucking full of just dumb shit in Assassin's <laughs> Creed. That what that it just it just becomes a fucking checklist, right? Because it's like, okay, let me I've got my map and now I know all the the points of interest. I let me just go from point of interest to point of interest. Let me just check them off. I've been to this one, now I've been to this one, now so I've been to this one. I, like I, I did this. Each tower just opens you up like a new list of chores to do. Like Exactly. Exactly. It, a tower is just uh, you've unlocked your checklist of chores to do. That is not what breath of the wild breath of the wild borrows from assassin's creed it borrows kind of the concept of towers but first of all 
each tower is its own puzzle. There's there's sort of a little challenge associated with climbing each tower. Maybe this tower is covered in, you know, uh, barbed spines. Maybe you've got to find a way around the spines or maybe find a way to eliminate the spines. Maybe this tower is, you know, has a whole gauntlet of enemies you have to fight off first or something to that effect. But once you get to the top of the tower, the interesting thing that Breath of the Wild does is it fills in your map. But it only fills in your map. That's the only thing it does. It does not populate your map with fucking you know, a million fucking chores to do. Importantly, and I think this is the secret to what makes Breath of the Wild so good, is once you get to the top of that tower, it's up to you. It is is a player-directed and player-guided experience, right? So once you get to the top of that tower, you whip out your fucking telescope and you get to see if there's anything cool. Like, oh, hey, I see some uh, a cool-looking cave down there. Whoa, like, I see a skull over there and I see some crazy-looking monsters and, whoa, there's some, like, purple mist coming out of that area over there. Whoa, this is crazy. Then you, the player, get to mark on your map your own uh, um, checkpoints, your own waypoints uh, that you find interesting, uh, right? It's not the game telling you where to go. It's your own guided experience and I really appreciated that. Uh, That's interesting uh, that you specific- point that out, James, actually. I want to just take a side note to talk about that. Um, sure. I think that that in particular has affected uh, open world games going forward because Assassin's Creed Odyssey, the most recent one, also does that. Where the, really? Yeah, the Eagle Tower doesn't bleep, 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 fill up your map full of little icons that you have to go do. And uh-huh. I think that there's... Well, there's two... They're actually... Ubisoft, Ubisoft, Ubisoft gives you two ways to play the game. At the very uh-huh. beginning, you choose if you want the way the game is designed to be played, which is basically not handholdy and requires okay. you, the player, to basically do that, to like stand at the top of the Eagle Tower and like look and see where you want to go next. It won't fill in your mini-map. Um, or you can play it like the old way, which is stupid. Uh, and then I think I've heard <laughs> that Red Dead Redemption 2 is going to follow suit and be a lot less handholdy with its like direction like you have to kind of explore on your own so that's interesting that i guess maybe breath of the wild was mm-hmm. the one who led the way on that that new mechanic yeah yeah i i liked that very much i liked um just you know looking myself you know at the at the topography at the geometry and being like hey that looks like a cool place to explore and then you know get taken taken my taking myself on my own adventures uh, is very good. And also it had, in contrast to some of the Zelda games that came before it, specifically Skyward Sword, it had a very uh, very real, a very lived in, a very, I don't know, uh, I don't want to say realistic because it's like a fantasy world, but it right. had a very, it had a very, well, Like a living, uh, like a living, breathing world. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it is a very good game. You should listen to the very first episode of this podcast if you want to hear us talk more about The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Yeah, but please that... go, go easy on us. It was our first episode. Yeah. Uh, yeah, ha- have we gotten any better since our first episode? I don't... <laughs> I think we got a little better. A little better. I maybe. don't know. We've got like a certain structure now that people expect. Sure. Like two yeah. people. Two people expect yeah. a certain structure right. of our episodes. <laughs> yeah. Our moms expect our <laughs> lovely podcast. They're so they, proud of us. Yes, they are. 
All right, what you got to endorse today? Okay, uh, I'm going to endorse real quickly uh, learning to code. Hell yeah. Um, Me and James are both coders, if you haven't realized that by now. Uh, Mm -hmm. We code for a day job, but we also code for fun, which is, I would say, even more fun than doing it for work. Um, I'm working on a little side project right now. I have a Raspberry Pi 3 Model B that I have not touched since I got it for my birthday a year and a half ago. And I decided to build an automated cat feeder, right? And I've got this cereal dispenser I grabbed from Amazon, and it has a little knob that you turn that dispenses cereal. And then you've got a Raspberry Pi hooked up to a servo motor that moves the knob on the cereal dispenser, hence having it dump some, you would think, cereal. No, I'm putting in cat food in the cereal dispenser. So I'm going to be able to call the Raspberry Pi from an API and have it dispense food automatically through code. Learn the code, bitches. That Leo sounds out. awesome. That oh, sounds oh, awesome. And I can hook it up to my Amazon Alexa skills, and I can go like, Alexa, feed my cat. And she goes, I'm feeding Izzy, and dump some food. So that come on, people. Awesome. Learn the code. I recommend Reddit slash R slash learn programming for all your uh, little basic FAQs on how to get started. Yeah. All right. I uh, am going to endorse. We're, we're, we're getting, we're midway through Halloween. Uh, uh-huh. No, fuck me. No, we're not. I we're, mean, the month of Halloween, yes. <laughs> the month of Halloween. Woo! We are midway through the month of October, and we're getting close into Halloween season, which means things are getting spooky. As a matter of fact, our next episode of this podcast is going to be a spooky episode of Ooh. this podcast. We're probably going to talk about some horror games. Yeah. So, first thing, I would endorse listening to the next episode of this podcast. <laughs> um the second thing I would endorse is watching some spooky movies. Oh yeah. And the next thing I would endorse is a specific spooky movie. Um on I think it was the last episode of this podcast, I can't remember, I endorsed a horror anime called Perfect Blue uh that is um sort of a, a a horror thriller that deals with a lot of like reality bending and nightmarish imagery. If you liked Perfect Blue, uh, or if you're in the mood for a horror movie that is real weird and trippy um, and very nightmarish, I would recommend David Lynch's Mulholland Drive. Um, that is M-U-H-U-L-L-O-N-D-D-R-I-V-E, Mulholland Drive. I think I spelled that right. I don't know. I can't tell. Um uh david lynch is a weird fucker he is a <laughs> he is a weird guy and a very weird director and uh similar to programming i would say his style is not for everyone um <laughs> uh but uh if you're into watching a wide awake nightmare on your television screen uh you can go i it may or may not be on netflix it's definitely on amazon you can watch Maholland drive it is the story of uh two girls betty and rita one is a uh young actress who is uh struggling to make it in hollywood the other is um uh she's a girl who gets in a car accident and hits her head really hard and has amnesia and can't remember who she is uh and it's the story about how these two girls meet and um sort of what happens to them afterwards um 
Uh, the movie is kind of meta. Like I said, it's it's about this actress who's struggling to make it in Hollywood. So it's 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 kind of a movie about making movies. But the horror really comes in um, when there's a lot of uh, like reality is very fluid in this movie in the same way that it is in Perfect Blue. For anyone who listens listened to my previous endorsement and went out and watched Perfect Blue. It's very similar to that where it's it's hard to tell sometimes if what the characters are experiencing is real or is in their nightmares or is um, something they're just imagining. Uh, I will say that this movie probably has, it has three things. It has one of the most terrifying jump scares uh, and I'm not usually one for jump scares. I think that's kind of a, a, a cheap tactic that a lot of horror movies use. To, I, you know, I agree wholeheartedly. Uh, it's, you know, they just, they have something tense and then they just play a loud sound effect and something moves quickly on on screen. And it, it's just kind of a cheap technique. This is not, it has some of those elements, but the thing that makes this specific jump scare so terrifying is the buildup. And what's interesting about it is it's the the scene occurs in it's it's just in broad daylight in a crowded diner there's two characters talking and one of the characters is describing his nightmare and the scene just gets really really tense and um especially the way the audio design is and the way the music is just builds this looming sense of dread that something terrible is going to happen even though it's weird because our brains are telling us okay this is a you know a a scene in the middle of the day in a crowded diner what could possibly go wrong you know it's it's a weird thing that half of our brain is saying no 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 nothing's wrong this is perfectly normal this is a normal thing that every you know it's a very normal scene and then the other half of our brain is like oh god something is very wrong here and this looming sense of dread keeps building and building and building it also has um just some horrifying just some of the most um horrifying imagery there's just some just there's some pictures in this movie that just will just send chills up your spine and i don't think i could really describe them and a do them justice and b describe them without ruining some of the scenes that take place later in the movie uh, and I will also say that uh, this has one of the hottest sex scenes in uh, any movie that I've seen. Really? <laughs> Which is a weird, a weird three things to have. The most terrifying jump scare, the most horrifying imagery, and a pretty hot sex scene. <laughs> I uh, mean, it just it hits all the senses. You're good. It's a great movie. Yeah. And it's a very weird movie where reality is very fluid and it can sometimes hard be hard to... Uh, tell what's going on at any given moment but if any of what i described sounds interesting to you and you're in for a bit of a weird trippy time definitely watch mulholland drive especially if you liked the perfect blue anime they're very stylistically similar satoshi Kone and david lynch are on the same on the same wavelength of weird gotcha and with that i think that is our episode uh you have anything else uh that's it for me man uh, tune in next week. We will be talking about Resident Evil, right? Yeah, Resident Evil will be our we're, main talk. We're going to be talking talking about the horror classic Resident Evil. I think specifically we're going to be talking about the um, GameCube remake of the original that was then again remade recently on uh, 
modern consoles and PC and put out an yeah. HD. So it's a remake of a remake of uh, uh, Resident Evil, the original yeah. one. Yeah, just uh, so that's what we'll be talking about. We'll be talking about that and some spooky, spooky horror games. All right. And with that, I have been james for the good games podcast that's not how i usually sign off i don't care whatever uh well you totally threw me off because you usually go and i'm leo but like I, for the good I'm... games podcast my name is james and what? i'm leo <laughs> goodbye get out of here See ya. get out of here now Before we go to my weekend, um, here's what I want you to do. When we go to okay. editing on this, okay, yeah. I want you to... Dump the whole thing? Yeah, no, no, no problem. No, Got no, it. no. Yep. I want you to start it for like five seconds yeah. and then just begin to overlay sections from throughout that entire rant yep. on top of each other in like one... <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I know exactly what you're saying. What have you been up to besides besides trivia tonight? How, how has your weekend gone? Like, any, anything interesting? I am writing a Super Bowl Squares web application. So for our users who don't who don't know, Super Bowl Squares is a game that you play when the Super Bowl is on. It's basically gambling, but it makes watching the Super Bowl uh, more interesting, I guess. Um, so basically, you have a grid of 100 squares. Um, the numbers go from 0 to 9. You would look at the 4 square and the 7 square on either the x-axis or y-axis, depending on single digits which represent the last digit of each mathematically evenly think about it, If you start to think about Super Bowl squares, the problem with playing Super Bowl squares is probable square to pay out is 0, 0. So that's going to occur every 10 or 10, 10 or 20, 20 or 20, 10. What comes in when one person has a 0, 0 square or a 0, 3 square or 0, 7 Now we're getting really into it because I have a database of every single fucking box score. Of every first quarter, second quarter, third quarter, fourth quarter, and final score. Oh my God. Man, yeah, that was... I'm not allowed to drink before this podcast. Okay. Noted. That's a new rule. I can't... New rule is I can't podcast uh, drunk. <laughs> can't podcast drunk. Okay. <laughs> we pause for a second. <laughs> the hell was that laugh? <laughs> uh, fuck me. Um.